there, folks. Welcome in episode 208 of the Get Around Podcast. We are here in the studio at the offices of the Traverse City Record Eagle, of course. That's who this broadcast is brought to you by. Also brought to you by Jimmy John's, two locations in Traverse City, Freaky Fresh, Freaky Fast. Jimmy John's. Freak, yeah. Wait Andrew a, Rosenthal, who is that guy? Andrew Rosenthal is in the studio, ladies and gentlemen. It has been at least a couple of months, I would yeah. say, since he was last. I don't know if you've made an appearance in the studio in 2022. No, I don't think so, because uh, I was typically in my apartment. I'm a late sleeper because we work second shift and kind of just roll out of bed and hop on the podcast. That's, that's the life. So we got Rosenthal is in here. Jimmy James Cook is at home joining us uh, via FaceTime. I am, of course, your host, Brendan Queeley. Uh, and this is episode 208 of the Get Around. It also happens to be a, a very special and somewhat somber episode as well, give, given that this is uh, the, the final episode for uh, the aforementioned Andrew Rosenthal. Mama, I'm coming home. <laughs> I don't so, want. I mean to say it like that, but yeah, I'm moving back to Chicago at the end of this week for a job outside of journalism. I'm pretty excited for it. I'm gonna be in the city. Never done that before, and I got a lot of friends there. So uh, it's pretty tough leaving Traverse City, though. And uh, it's a city. It's meant a lot to me in my career and personally. I wrote a lot about that in uh, my column this Sunday. Um, kind of just how my, the way I am in life right now is a lot like the fourth quarter of an NFL football game, you know, where the bills, you do everything right. You get to, in the chiefs, you do everything right. And you got, you both get to overtime, but yet the chiefs won because they got luck, lucky. And that's a lot about, that's like a lot how I feel right now. And dude, I hope you don't think that your life is in the fourth quarter. You're in like, no, you're in like, <laughs> you're in like pregame. I'm more like describing like the emotions both teams were going through. It's like where it's like, okay, you can do everything right. And then you get to this one point and then it's the flip of a coin that decides what's next. And that's a lot. That's like, I don't know. I kind of feel like that's where I'm at right now. And I, but in the meantime, we did some, we did a lot of good work. I met a lot of good people. Um, I was just going through some of the stories I've told. I mean, Hunter Jones won his first state championship my uh in the first the first fall i was working so i think it's gonna there's a lot more than i mean traverse state central they they go to the semifinals in the pandemic shortened season next season they go to the finals and for the first time since 88 and the first and all, all those times where people are like oh let's remember the 88 year and they actually went and did it this this time around and i was on the sidelines for a lot of those games and uh i got to tell a lot of those stories and it's a uh, job i don't like to take lightly you know we go in historical societies we go in the library of congress and we're on walls and my name's going to be there forever and it's pretty cool well i think we all believe that you're making the right decision for you you know you're you this is a correct me if i'm wrong but you know this is about getting back home yeah family uh, and being around them, you're a young kid. Yeah. Still, I, w- I shouldn't say young kid. I mean, I'm. Uh, but you're. Yeah, I'm young. You're a young guy, <laughs> and uh, I completely understand it. It took me quite a long time before I was able to feel comfortable being away from my family for any length of time. Uh, and you've been here for two years now. Yeah, I haven't actually like lived full time at home, like full time, like close to m- within an hour driving my parents since. 2016 yeah because i went to school at the university of kansas and it was always seemed to be like a eight hour drive to get back a couple hundred dollars on a flight sometimes i could take the amtrak and then i move here and it's kind of like the same deal and it's not necessarily a bad thing but after a while you kind of get grow tired of that well we'll be sad to see you go man i'm we gonna will. be sad to go and You'll, i'll uh, have me on for episode 300 and 400 and 500 and if we make it that far hey <laughs> <laughs> I, I will love to be a guest on episode 500 of the get around podcast in 2030 or whenever that happens so when we hit those milestones believe me i'm sure someone will will be texting you uh, cool. to make sure you come back on the show it so. might, would it be you or james or who knows so. I mean, who knows who it's gonna be so there's uh, 
the turnover here happens uh, uh, is quite bountiful. Here at Could the, be some uh, kid still in college right now. Yeah, he's gonna he's gonna come in and just take over the the whole thing. Uh, but who knows? Um, so I just want to say thanks, man. Uh, I I really do appreciate it. It's, it. We only worked together for a short time since I, I came uh, on board as the editor back in September. I mean, we worked together for like pol- political stuff, like when the the Trump rallies were in town. And sure. Education sure. stuff. So yeah, I knew you existed. Yes, and <laughs> and, and and same with you. Um, but this was obviously working uh, closer together, and it was, uh, you know, even in the in the short amount of time that we we had together, uh, it was really great to see your growth from you know when i took over and, and to where where you're sitting right now and yeah it, no, it's, I, it's I a look marked at, improvement i look at like some of my first articles at the paper and it was james actually came with me to this one if uh and i do remember this it was the traverse city central uh st francis traverse city central at st francis game and this was like a really big deal because it was the first time they were playing in like 10 years and i had no idea the significance of it and I look back and I'm like, oh gosh, I would have done so much, so much differently writing wise. But that's kind of how this job works, you know. Um, you're always learning. You're always learning, and you're always reading your old stuff. And I'm like, I wrote that. <laughs> I wrote that, like really. And then, and now, I think I've grown a lot for sure. Yeah, like you said, I agree with you. So, James, anything you want to say to your young departing Padwan? No, yeah, like you said, he, he's. He's come a long way since what? To right the beginning of the pandemic. I was basically a high school or a college senior at that point. Like yeah, I graduated awesome. a semester early, and I was I still felt like I had a lot to learn. So yeah. Yeah. Well, and he came in at a difficult time too. I mean, he was here for like a month, and then the pandemic hit. Threw his job completely. You know, he got stuck doing news. Yeah, you don't want to say stuck. It was fun. What he came here for, you know, and and all that. So that was a departure, and then eventually, slowly coming back to sports and finding his way back into that and and everything. So it, it, the circumstances weren't easy either. Yeah, because you're moving to a new town where you don't really know a lot of people, and then after two months, everything just kind of gets thrown in the air. That was a that was pretty tough for me, and it took me a while to get used to things. After oh, I know you even were even worried about your job security. Yeah, you were like, "Oh, last one hired is usually the first one fired." That's how and, it typically is. Uh, you know, f- I think fortunately for uh, for us, uh, that that wasn't the case, and we, we've uh, we've been lucky to have you for the last couple of years for sure. Doing a- everything you've been doing, basically being the you know. Uh, the the jack of all trades and I mean I wrote about Michael Jackson I wrote about ticks on birds I wrote about the Omina mayor's race where they uh, elected a Labrador retriever for the town's mayor <laughs> that was awesome and uh, I wouldn't trade it for a thing well I'll I'll give you this last uh, opportunity here is there anything else that you want to say to the listeners or the readers I thought about this a lot when I won the Michigan Press or Michigan or Associated Press of Michigan Editors Rising Star Award. Those don't go to people or newspapers unless there's really interesting stories behind them. And you are the people that were behind those stories. And I thank you a lot, and thank you for being interesting. All right. Well, thanks again, man. Uh, I really appreciate it. Let's move on with uh, Andrew's uh, final episode, or at least final episode with him as an employee of the Record Eagle. I'm sure we'll have him back just as we've had... Uh, Brett Summers back and Jake Atnett back. Uh, you guys, both of you, were out since we're recording this now Tuesday. Uh, you guys were out Monday yesterday at, at the ski finals, and Andrew, you got to see something that has never happened before. The way Traverse City Central and Traverse City West won their state titles was in a way I've never quite seen in high school sports, where everyone from Michigan's going to Boyne Falls, and Traverse City Central just dominates. 17 out of 40 possible medals went to either Titans or Trojans. Like, that's nearly half. And they, they take all the all the trophies. Central's hosting the meet. They Everyone's celebrating with each other afterwards. You know, as you think Crosstown schools and their own rivals, it's not really the case in the skiing community here in Traverse City. And, uh, obviously, West goes back-to-back. 
Central Girls goes back to back. It was almost West West. Um, Elle Craven had a fall in slalom. That's kind of like her signature event. She goes from and then she goes to take the third spot next time, next run around. So she probably would have gotten top three for slalom if that fall wouldn't have happened. But and then, so West had they had him in slalom. They had both disciplines in girls, and it was like, okay, this is this is going to be huge. Like, what? It's going to be West West, and everyone was thinking that. But no, Central comes back. Um, they had a huge finish in GS to take the girls' title. It's their program's thirteenth in program history, and it's what what really seemed cool to Coach Amy Kudari at Traverse City Central is that she was on Jerry Stanek's one of Jerry Stanek's state championship teams. And she's like, I've grown with this team because I came here four years ago and those freshmen are now seniors. And I, I, I think of like a girl like Maddie Cox, who's a double all-state girl, and she, she was there with Kudari the whole way. And that's, that's pretty neat. So you mentioned this a little bit, but it, did it feel like, and, and I got this impression from talking to, uh, to uh, Kudari um, last week or two weeks ago, uh, that the the Central and West ski teams, at least yesterday, were almost competing as one. Yeah, because like I even when I was talking off the record with a couple of uh, West assistants, it's like okay, a Central, a Central runner up, and they go, we hope, you know, it's like you, you know you're cheering for each other, and they're not, you're probably not, you know, they do. They have like a radio where they're at the bottom of the hill at the top, and the guys that ski down first will tell them like, "Oh, what the course conditions are like, or what the report was like." I don't think they do that for each other, but yeah, when when Traverse City's on the podium, it seems like they're happy for each other, and uh, I would. I, it's hard to say like if they're competing as one because in ski meets you kind of like compete in a different way. Like you, there you check you check your gates with like your team, and then you check the report with your teammates, but. It seemed like they were celebrating for each other for sure. In that aspect, yeah. James, how was your day out on the slopes over at uh, Shush? It was kind of similar in that the the Big North Conference teams in those in this Division Two state finals at, at the Shush Mountain won their state championships. So you, the, the Big North Conference produced all four team state champions this year in in alpine skiing. Um, you know, Petoskey won its third in a row in the boys. They uh, beat Pontiac Notre Dame by 13. They were they were behind after the first after the morning session because two Petoskey skiers actually lost their skis. Their skis came off during their runs, <clears throat> and if that happens, you can't hike. You're that you're done. And if it happens during your first run, you can't do your second either. Um, but. Uh, so they came back, won that title. That's their third in a row and eleventh, eleventh in twelve years. Sheesh! Wild. Just incredible. Yeah, because Great North Alpine in twenty eighteen was the only team to stop that stretch, right? Or was it twenty eighteen or nineteen when they won it? But that's that's yeah, obviously it, to co-op well, with. Yeah, that was the, the St. Francis co-op. Uh, yeah, that was the year when Finn Husband won both the slalom and giant slalom, and they had a really deep team there, and were able to to just get by Petoskey that year. Um, and then, uh, yeah, Cadillac, the girls finish in third, Gaylord fourth. Um, other area teams, I mean, Harbor Springs is a little out of our area, but they were fifth on Nekama. Seventh in the first time they've ever qualified as a team uh, since, uh, oh, second ever time, first time since 19, or 2004, I believe. And uh, and then on the girls' side, Cadillac won the state title. I, I was, you know, how the, how the skiing finals go, where you get done skiing, everybody goes back to the lodge, and then they, all the skiers kind of go to their tables, they eat, you know, and they mingle around and, and all that. And the coaches go and have a meeting for like an hour. Or two. To, or two. Case, <laughs> to finalize all the results and everything. So during that time, I use that time to go interview the athletes because pretty much everybody knows who won already. You know, the, the teams kind of have it figured out. Um it's just like in football, like you know what team you're going to play in the first week of the playoffs. You're just waiting for the selection show to make it official. Um, so I talked to, to Annalie Wallace from Cadillac, and I'm like, uh, well, what's it like to, to do this, you know, the, win the first state title since 1990? And she's like, what? We won? 
<laughs> and you're like, like no <laughs> and uh, it turns out that they they did edge out East Grand Rapids by six points in, in a pretty incredibly uh, close uh, race there on the girls side I mean they had 104 points the Cadillac girls did uh, East Grand Rapids had 110 Harbor Springs 112 Houghton 121 Petoskey 128 and Pontiac Notre Dame who kind of was the favorite coming in finished sixth with 129 because they had two or three falls during the during the finals. Yeah, I so, saw I saw Notre Dame last year and their coach was pretty confident they were going to make it four in a row, you know, it was they had a lot of sophomores coming back and uh I was yeah, I was definitely surprised to see uh Cadillac overtake them. That's that's pretty neat. Yeah, Cadillac got out to a big lead in the morning in the slalom. Um they had uh you know, a pretty good 14-point lead, I think it was, over Houghton after the morning. And then ended up holding on by six after East Grand Rapids had a really good showing in the giant slalom in the afternoon. Um, but that's Cadillac's first state championship in any sport, any team sport, since 1990, which was also the last time the girls did it in skiing. Um, they won, between the boys and girls, they won a bunch of state titles in like the 70s, 80s, and 90s, or in 1990 but 70s, 80s, and 1990. But uh, nothing as a team since then. So what was the, what was the point differential between, the, between Petoskey and uh, Notre Dame? In the boys? 13. Okay. All right. Well, yep. in, in the girls, first place and sixth place. Oh, was... the, the girls. In the, between first and sixth place was 25 points. Yeah, you don't. I mean, that's incredibly bunched together. Yeah. Um, I mean, but the distance between first and sixth in the boys is over ninety. Yeah, and that's what you usually get at ski meets, even state yeah. championships. Yeah, the team is in sixth place in the boys was Orchard Lake St. Mary's. They had one seventy-seven. Petoskey had eighty-six. Wow. Well, it sounds like you guys had uh, an enjoyable day yesterday, James. I'm hoping that you do, you know, knock on wood, avoid the uh, the post ski finals, chest cold or head cold. So, so far, so good. But it has been a, a a habit for me in the past of getting a uh, a cold. So I did it a little bit different this time. I dressed in layers, so that if I started getting too warm, I could take layers off. If I wasn't, I could just keep them on. I just kept everything on. I think I did it all right. All right, cool. All right, well, let's move on to uh, girls basketball. Yesterday, Monday, of course, we're recording this on Tuesday. It was the uh, the first day of girls basketball districts. Uh, we had uh, a few upsets, uh, especially uh, Traverse City West taking out uh, Big North champion Petoskey in a very low-scoring affair, uh, 32-18. Uh, to 18. Yeah, Tim Ryman sent me a text message on that one. He said it was a great defensive effort to hold them scoreless in the third, and Sarah Squirmahorn did an amazing job on uh, Carolina Guy, who's probably going to be all Big North Conference. So shouts to the Titans on that one. They're going to be playing Central on Wednesday. Yeah, that does. It sets up uh, a, uh, a crosstown rivalry matchup with uh, Central and West, which is, I mean, you always love that in the playoffs. Yeah, I think it's going to come down to the same thing in boys too, and a lot of times these, you know, it's the, this guarantees that Traverse City team is going to be in the district final, and that game is going to be in Traverse City. So that's that's going to be Friday, or I believe, or Saturday, one of the two. Friday, Friday. Yeah, Friday. Yeah, okay. it'll be Friday. The uh, the one district that looks uh, very interesting, at least for our coverage area, obviously, is the. Uh, the Division Three girls district at Traverse City St. Francis, um, which uh, we had a couple of games from those on Monday. Grand Traverse Academy beat Benzie Central 42 to 35. Uh, again, I really I like what Grand Traverse Academy uh, does and what they have. Uh, and then St. Francis uh, beat Mancelona 49 to 25, setting up these two games on on Wednesday. Glen Lake versus GTA. Glen Lake, of course, is 20 and 0 undefeated and. But hey, GTA had a playoff win, and that's pretty big for their school. Yeah, 
Uh, and then Elk Rapids versus uh, St. Francis. Elk Rapids has already beaten uh, St. Francis twice this season. And I know every coach says it to me. It is it is coach speak, but they say it's very difficult to beat a team three times in one season. Um, yeah, with the third coming on their court in districts. Yeah, yeah. St. Francis gets the the benefit of of because they're hosting the district. They they get to play on their home court. Uh, I'll ask this: the the chances that GTA can upset Glen Lake. Glen Lake plays a very slow game of basketball, you know, where they, I mean, they'll get up you, they'll get up on you by 20 points, and then they'll slow things down. They'll get really defensive, and Jessica Robbins and Grace Bradford will kind of do the job. Well, and one thing I saw at a GTA when they played, like, Leonard St. Mary, highly ranked girls team in Division Four, is they had, like, a 10 or 15-point run in the fourth quarter. They were down by, like, 20 at that point. But they made it interesting. They made it close. They cut it within 10. And I don't doubt GTA can do that again. Are we expecting Glen Lake versus Elk Rapids, or should we? do we think uh, St. Francis has a decent shot to upset the 18-2 and two Elks on their home court? I never say no to St. Francis. You know, I think they're all, all their teams are well coached in any sport. And I, I think that, you know, like you said, it's very hard to beat a team three times, and I like the... I'm not going to say I like the Glad's chances of doing this, but I think they can make it a sh- give, it, give it a go. You know? Any other games out there that, that uh, seem of interest to you? Any potential matchups on Friday that you're looking forward to? Uh, I know in uh, in D4 we had uh, Buckley and Leland uh, pick up wins on Monday, setting up uh, Lake Leland St. Mary versus Buckley and Misik versus Leland on, on Wednesday. Uh, in D4, Gaylord St. Mary has Boyne Falls. Uh, Bel Air is going to have Central Lake. Um, Central Lake just beating up on Ellsworth, 57-7, to uh, unfortunately. I, I hate seeing those scores, by the way. It's always tough when you see, like, a team with four points and you go, man, they, I mean, they were out there trying. And it's, like, even that 32-18 to 18 score. In, yeah. Uh, I was like, oof. Under 20 points is you know. tough to see for a it was high school team. R- it was rough watching uh, Lakely and all St. Mary get held scoreless against uh, Traverse City Christian. I think that was what last Thursday. I was like, oh wow, they're gonna go they're gonna go all eight minutes without scoring. That is that is something else. In D three I wanna see Lake City versus Manton for a district title. Um, Lake City has Ross Common in the first round and Grayling has uh, Manton in the second round. They beat Houghton Lake uh, yesterday. Um, that district final would be at Grayling. Um, I'm assuming they might move it if uh, you know, one of the teams doesn't want to make the drive or not. But uh, I think this is uh, this is Lake City's year. I think they're a dark horse in D3. Um, they've always had a lot of talent, but I think they can go quite far. So are you going to follow the basketball playoffs even after you leave? Probably. <laughs> I mean, I made a lot of predictions on previous pods, and I want to see if they come true. So. <clears throat> Yeah, you can make like all kinds of ludicrous predictions in this show and have no repercussions. Yeah, you can give your honest opinion now. <laughs> you can call GT Academy beating Glen Lake. James, anything for you that stands out? I would, but you can. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I think you're right, Andrew. The, uh, the possible Lake City versus Manton is very uh, appetizing. Yeah, because especially because a lot of their players play AU with each other. Um, Lauren Wilder is probably one of the best point guards in our region for uh, um, for for girls, and she's only a sophomore. So and she's not as short as you think she is, James. No, she's five seven. You made it seem like she was five one when you were talking about her before. Yeah, because I, I asked the head coach, I'm like, how how tall is she? Really short? James told me she's really short. And he goes, No, she's five seven. I'm like, Well, hell, that's taller than James. So that's that's <laughs> the same height. Same height. Sorry, same height. It also <laughs> looks like McBain as a number one seed in uh, a Mason County Central District in D three. Um, they have the hosts in the first round, and they got a bunch of teams that are just on our fringe, like Pine River and Everett on the other side of the bracket. So it looks like they they could win that in girls. You know what's tough is that in this, either Glen Lake or Elk Rapids is not going to make it to the regional which is an absolute shame. 
Yeah. Because both of those teams have Breslin potential. It's kind of been cool to see what Elk Rapids has turned this season into after their long time and very successful coach Bob Schneider died. You know, they was just they simply called him Schneid. They honored him in a game earlier this season, and then they're like, oh, we have a chance to go back-to-back in the conference and win a district for the first time since his teams were around, and that's, that's pretty neat. All right, move on to boys. Uh, that's coming up next week. Um, and in Division One, of course, we would love to see the two Traverse City teams here, Traverse City West and Traverse City Central, meet in, in the playoffs. But the only way that's going to happen would be in the, the district final. Uh, Which could happen. Because, it certainly could. Because Marquette is not, you know, obviously they went to the regional finals last year, but they lose their three leading scorers. And I think that's for for West. They can get to that point for sure. They're playing a lot better than they were um, in those early season losses. Yeah, the the Big North uh, co-champ Traverse City Central has a first round bye. They'll get the winner of Alpena and Gaylord, and then Marquette will see either Petoskey or Traverse City West. Those will be the uh, the semifinal games. And of course, <coughs> you'll have whoever uh, uh, wins those two games make it into the the district final on on March 11th. Um, any games in, in these that are, are standing out in uh, Divisions 1 through 4 that you guys are, are looking at? Is it, is it bad for me to say that I, you know, maybe one of the best, the best first-round games is Forest Area versus Leland? Because one of them has to win? Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't think I've seen this where teams that are 0 for the season have met each other in the first round of districts. Who's your? Who, let, let's let's do let's do a pick. Who who's winning that game? Forest area or Leland? Who do you got winning? Well, I mean, Forest area has seen pretty tough teams like Onaway, and they're still scoring on them. And even Onaway won a game against Forest area, hundred to twenty. But I mean, Forest area, I still give it credit to the Warriors because they still scored twenty on Onaway. I think of it that way. So I'm I'm giving that matchup to the to Forest area. Yeah, Forest area. They've got you know Cameron Patton. Um, if he gets hot, he can he can go off for you know seventeen to twenty points, no problem. I mean, Forest Area has seen success in the playoffs before when they had Chase Ingersoll is now playing in college, so it's it's definitely and they're hosting that district, right? Yes, so yes, they are. That's that's they definitely have a little home court advantage there, but I I like um, in D two. I think Cadillac has a really good shot at a district title. 14 and 5. They're playing Manistee 1 and 8 in the first round. The only other team with a pretty good record in that district is Big Rapids at 16 and 2. Um, the district final would be at Manistee, so can't, not really too far of a drive for them. And Cold Genema, who's 6 foot 9. So, and then obviously there's the D3 district that we've been all been talking about for months, and that's the one that Glen Lake is going to be hosting with like the Lake Michigan Conference champion, the Northwest Conference champion, and Everyone yeah. else that could have won it too. <laughs> yeah, Glen Lake versus Elk Rapids in, in the first, in the only first round game. Uh, the winner of that gets Benzie Central, and then uh, St. Francis and Mancelona meet up in, in the semis. Uh, that yeah, that that's your best game of Monday. I mean, of of teams you know that are I mean, Glen Lake's fifteen and five, Elk Rapids twelve and five. That whole district, nobody has a losing record. Uh, which is in contrast to the one in McBain where nobody has a winning record. Misek seems like a, a pretty good bet to come out of the Manton district uh, with uh, Manton, Roscommon, Houghton Lake, Lake City, and, and Grayling. But don't count out Roscommon because they got Joel Ewald. He's a parallel 45 kid. A lot of the kids around here have played with him. So. But according to the MHSAA, Roscommon is 0-18, which I'm not sure how they do that with a college player at point guard. They must have, like, nothing else. So we talked about that district in Division Three, but the one in Division Four that everybody will be watching is Sutton's Bay, Traverse City Christian, Forest Area, Leland, Buckley, and Lake Leland all St. Mary. Yeah, that's the one we talked about earlier with Forest Area, Leland in the first round, and winner gets Buckley. Yeah, and- give me give me all of that. Give me Traverse City Christian playing Lakely and all St. Mary again. I want to see I want to see round 3 of that. Yeah, like round 2 was awesome. Christian has kind of made it their mantra is like 
we want to beat this team when it comes to the playoffs. You know, Leland on a one by twenty, um, first time around, but Broderick still had a great game. The second time around clearly was better than the first one. Yep. And I, I'll say the same thing. Like I, I want to see Christian do this the third time around. Like I have nothing against Leona, but like I'm the whole sweeping the floor mantra with the Sabers has been hilarious. Number one, you know they bring a literal broom to the games. <laughs> yeah, and this is probably this is maybe their best shot in the 25 years of this basketball program that has gone without a district title to win a district title. Uh, just given the talent. Now, in terms of the crop that they have to go up against, probably not the most ideal with uh, St. Mary and, and Buckley. Uh, but you're... They've played both of those teams. Like You are guaranteed oh, yeah. to have a fire matchup in in the championship game. Uh, I'm not... Not that either the winner of Forest Area or Leland couldn't upset Buckley. It's just highly improbable. That's going to happen given the talent that Buckley has and how much Forest Area and Leland have struggled. So, I mean, you can pretty much put Buckley into the championship game. I hope that Buckley doesn't see it that way. And I hope that Jared Malark is making sure that his players don't see it that way either. But, yeah, you're going to have Buckley versus either TC Christian or Lake Leland St. Mary. Uh, I'm not, again, I shouldn't be counting out Sutton's Bay. They could certainly be Traverse City Christian. Um, but. That really is... Yeah, it would set up another Sutton's Bay Lake Leland on a St. Mary game where everyone on the team literally knows each other and played football and won a state championship with each other. That would be pretty... Well, came close to winning a state championship with each other. Oh. So... Another thing, dumb thing I said on the pod today. <laughs> Too bad there won't be another one, but... Out of the, uh, out of the teams that we're covering, uh, obviously we've got McBain, Northern Michigan, Christian. Uh, they're sitting pretty... Uh, with a first-round bye in their uh, district, which they'll be hosting. Yeah, I mean, the cool part is is it could come down to McBain, NMC, and Frankfurt in regionals again. That was a heck of a mascot last or That was a heck of a matchup last year. Um, that game was at Buckley. And then same thing with the top two brackets. It could be Ellsworth or Gaylord St. Mary against one of the the f- six teams in that loaded district. So uh, that's uh, one of those all local regionals we'll be watching uh, closely next week or two right. weeks from now. All right, you got to pick one team to make it to the Breslin Center. Who is it? You know, Buckley beat Christian by a combined nine points in their two matchups, but I just think they're on a roll this season. Landon Kowalik, Kowalik has just only gotten better. And Kyle Kazanowski has shown a huge jump from his couple years on varsity to how he's playing now. And he dropped 40 in a game against Christian. So I think Butley, Buckley is going to return. They've Buckley has shown Breslin potential in the past, and I think they're going to return. I'm going to stay right in that area of, of the state, and uh, I am jumping on the Misik bandwagon right now. Because I just feel that given the, the recent struggles that that school has had across all of its, all of its athletic programs, I really want to see Misik do something special. And I feel like they can be the team that does something special, that makes this run. That is the, you know, it's that one exciting thing here in northern Michigan that gets everybody talking. Like Buckley did, uh, you know, what, what, uh, four or five years ago when they made their run and it was just it, it was just incredible i really want to see i mean that's an undefeated bulldogs team it, it would be incredible to watch them play yeah how cool would that be i mean Misik, to be fair Misik did make it to um the volleyball finals last year and True. were a win away from making it to the baseball finals and a lot of players on that team are probably on this basketball team but yeah i think but a lot of people do consider like two big sports in the state like the basketball and the and the football finals and yeah me how cool would it be to see Misik go there? I think it would be cool in the uh, in the regional. The regional is going to be well. Their regional goes to Grayling. Misik does. If they get through that, then because we have four different districts in Division Three. Yeah. So, like, if say Benzie Central comes out of that Glen Lake district, you know they're seventeen and one, or CT St. Francis seventeen and two, Glen Lake, whoever comes out of that district. 
wouldn't meet Masick until the quarterfinals because of they're they're going to different districts. They, you know, the Glen Lake district goes to Sault Saint Marie, whereas Glen uh, which Masick goes to Grayling for its regional. And and I think they're going to face the winner of that district from McBain in the regional quarter regional semifinal, where nobody in that district from McBain has a winning record. It's it's uh, every team in that district except for one has five wins and one has eight they would face the winner of the Whittemore Prescott district with uh it looks like you know whatever Alcona Oscoda Tawas and Charlton Heston in that one in regionals yeah well and their other opponent's going to get that McBain district then mm-hmm. do you have a pick for uh, a Breslin bound boys team uh I, I still think it's the winner of that Glen Lake district. Okay. Um, you know, and Misek is a Misek is a great story, and I think and the, you know that they've got the the horsepower to to get there and get to that that quarterfinal, and then we'll see who they're playing against, too. And we certainly uh, can't forget McBain and MC. So hmm? we can't forget McBain and MC. Yeah, I think they've definitely got a path there. Um, you know, we'll, we'll see. I think their district is set up for them to win, to win that district and get yeah. out of there and springboard them, see how far they can go from there. Well, it's going to be interesting, no doubt. It's the, it's the great part about March, now that we are officially in March. Uh, it is the, the madness of this month, not only in college basketball, but in high school basketball as well. So it'll be a lot of fun to, to see. Uh, what goes on um, plenty of other sports also in the postseason right now and that includes bowling coming up uh, this weekend we've got the state finals down in battle creek at uh, m66 lanes and they're like everywhere else for every other divisions but for our team two guests on the pod right now they are going to battle creek yeah and we were lucky to talk to like you said two of them andrew uh, out of bel-air uh, junior captain brady hogerhide and junior matthew lapardo love it Uh, They joined us on the podcast. Let's go ahead and listen to that interview right now. All right, joining us now uh, virtually in the Get Around Podcast studio, a couple of bowlers from Bel Air, Brady Hogerhide and... Matthew Lopardo, love it. Really appreciate it. Thank you guys both. You guys, what bowling alley are you in right now? Uh, the Ballard Lanes and Games. Okay. All right. Very nice. You guys just got finished with practice? Yes, sir. Yes. All right. Well, again, thank you guys so much uh, for joining us. Really, really appreciate it. Andrew, why don't you get us started? Well, I heard from your coach, Mike Smith, this, is, this season has meant quite a bit to you guys. Um, you're going to the state title, the state finals as a team for the – uh, is this is this the first time going to the state finals as a team for you guys in program history? Yeah, it has. It's the first time that Bel has gone as a team, and we worked really hard all season to get here at this point, and we're looking forward to maybe take home another trophy when we get down there. So the one one thing that Mike told me is that just in your off time on the weekends, you guys are still in the lanes bowling games. Is uh, is that? So is that how you guys practice? And can you walk them through how you guys work work on your skills? Yeah, we either we practice all the time. We usually come on like uh, Fridays, and Fridays are like our free time kind of. We still come in and practice as like a team sort of, and we practice uh, after Saturday after uh, regionals and stuff like that, and our regular conference matches. So he he also said a lot of you guys are first time bowlers, especially with Quentin Backroot. You know he's coming off an injury from football. He would typically play uh, basketball in the winter. And now he's a state qualifier. You know, it, what did what did, did you know what did Mike say to get you guys on the team to get you guys bowling? Money. He bribed us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well we were just short of like having a full team last year. We needed some get, kids to come this year. And, you know, we all talked to our buddies and we tried to convince as many as we could. And we just got cute and then he got kind of hooked on the game as soon as practice started. 
So I'm curious to know what your bowling, your physical bowling style is. Are you guys traditional or are you, are one of, or both of you, do you use two hands? I mean, I know there's the physical way that we're throwing the ball now is, has changed from uh, what it's been in years past. Uh, yeah, we are both two-handed bowlers. I started off one-handed bowler, but saw how, how good Brady was and picked it up around first quarter of the season. So what's different about it? Because I've been bowling since I was six years old, and I just, I, I can't even wrap my head around making that much of a physical change to my game. I mean, you you know probably better than than most that the the slightest change in your approach can make a huge difference either uh in a positive or a negative so what was that what was that change like going from traditional one-handed to to two-handed uh it really wasn't that bad because i've never bowled a day in my life before this season so i was like a blank slate okay and uh, throughout the season, we just painted that slate and made progress, and here I am now. So, Brady, what made you go two-handed? Oh, well, as when I was young, I always bowled one-handed, and I went down to uh, downstate all the time for uh, matches as a little kid, and I liked it. And then I kind of took a period of time off, and I came back, and uh, Al Odom got me into two-handed. And ever since there, I just started doing two-handed, liked it, and kept moving forward with that. And practiced all the time in the summer. Came in during um, regular bowling, and just try to keep getting better and better each and every day. Do you feel you have better control with the two hands? Uh, yeah. I feel personally, I like to go slower. I'm like walk my approach so i walk slower to the lanes and normally like matthew he might go faster um yeah i think it's just so much better to be honest you can get more revs off the ball better pin action um there's a lot to it so when i was talking to your coach uh on saturday he he said that matthew you're 100 pounds soaking wet uh what a (laughs) And you bowled twenty games uh, almost a, almost a week ago today in one day. So, uh, you know, does that does it get you sore? Or like, are you, could you bowl another twenty after that? Oh, it gets me sore, but I just don't want to be losing to Brady all the time. So I, <laughs> I had is I am able to do that helps me push through it. Well, so have you beaten him? Yes, multiple times, but he has the higher win percentage by far. High games for the both of you, career, high games, uh, whether in, in competition and or, or out. Do we have uh, – are, are you guys sitting on any 300s? Um, I've came close. I struck all the way to the 10th frame in nine spare, nine in the 10th. Oof. Got 279 uh, sophomore year, so a year ago. Uh, and, yeah, my high game is a 235. I actually bowled it last Friday in Traverse City. Oh, very nice. Very nice. Yeah. My my closest that I've come to a perfect game uh, is I've, I've rolled uh, 15 strikes in a row, but those were over two games. Uh, I shot a 290 because I nine spared in the first frame and then struck out and then struck uh, a couple frames into the into the second game. That's always been painful for me. It being like, well, you threw the amount of strikes that you need for a perfect game and more, uh, but you just, you, I still don't have that 300 uh, on my resume. Is that something that you guys would like to have happen at some point? Because a 300 game is like, it's like getting a hole-in-one in golf. Exactly. Yeah, I would like to have my 300 during some kind of match or meet. I'd rather have it there. It would probably mean more to me than anything, than just that regular practice and stuff. I'm the opposite. I'd rather have it at practice against Brady, preferably just him and me. That's where I'd rather have my 300. So what's the mood in Bel Air heading down to Battle Creek? You know, you're coming off the heels of the success of uh, your girls' basketball team going to the state finals and uh, uh, down in East Lansing. So it's what, what's 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 the mood in your school like? And you guys excited to do this? Absolutely. Yeah, I think our community is behind us and – Everything that we do and is supporting us 
they supported us throughout the whole season, really. Ever since day one, we started and started winning uh, matches, and then then just kept moving on. And they've always been behind us. Did it kind of make it worthwhile uh, risking your guys' lives to go to a match in St. Ignace when the uh, bridge was icy? Yeah, that was kind of different. Uh, it was fun. Yeah, we met some good kids up there. Awesome team. I love how uh, the sportsmanship of the sport and all the teams. Yeah. How bad were the roads that day? Ter- terrible? Pretty bad. I think they were bad, yeah. Pretty bad going up and down. Or back. So biggest pet peeve as as a bowler because maybe this was just me and I'm a very particular person but I I know that when I was uh, a little bit younger uh, and I'd be on the lanes I I would get annoyed by something that someone another bowler would do or wouldn't do do you guys have anything like that or are you focused on on your game I I see Matthew is shaking his head like yep yeah there is one for me um Kind of like when you're already on like on an approach and maybe like a first year, maybe a kid that hasn't bowled as much like gets up on the approach right beside you when it's your turn to go. That's kind of that's kind of my biggest pet peeve. Yeah, that's I mean there is, there is rule and, and etiquette for for bowling again, just like golf. Like it's you've got to be respectful of the game because. I swear to God, if I am sitting there and I'm getting ready for my approach and then someone steps up on the lane next to me and goes, I'm like, what, did you not see me here? Are you are you blind? <laughs> yeah. You know. As a first-year bowler, did you kind of, like, find yourself breaking that bowling etiquette early in your uh, career? Like, did you hurt, learn the hard way? or? Yeah, the first day. I did it the first day. And I think Brady or someone else told me that I was being an idiot. And... <laughs> Hold on, someone's holding up state hardware uh, in the background. Is that the uh, is that the regional championship trophy? Yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, state hardware. <laughs> and hopefully we can bring another one home this weekend. Absolutely. State title. How would that feel? It would feel good. I think uh, it would spike interest in other kids to maybe come out and give bowling a, a shot. And hopefully it would allow it to go for years to come. You know, especially because, like, like, I mean, like we said before, a lot of you guys are first-time bullers. Um, you know, your coach said that your score from regionals would have been good for six in the state compared to other teams. Yeah, and I think that's going to boost our confidence when we found that out, And really. Because we knew that we could hang with the kids from downstate. What's your Achilles heel? Uh, on the lanes like what's that one shot that you always struggle with for for the longest time it was the lone 10 pin for me as a righty it was just it it was always a difficult one for me to pick up I I could I I don't know what it was but it it, and it got to a point where I think it was more mental than anything else Uh, is there is there a pin out there that kind of uh is is the stuff of nightmares for you guys I'm with you, man. I'm with you, 100%. Ten pins are terrible. When I have the nine and ten, I'll get the nine, chop wood, miss the ten still. Yep. It's not always missed by, like, less than an inch. Yeah, for me, it's the seven pin. Seven pin. Okay. Seven. Right. You're a lefty. All right. So where do you then stand? Do you stand on the op- – when you're going for that pin, do you stand on the yep. opposite side so or do I'll, you stand in the middle? I'll stand on the right side. Uh, farthest dot from the middle dot and then shoot cross alley at it yeah okay yeah i i did so much stuff i tried i'm like all right well i, I would move as far as i could i would even move in front of the ball return at, at certain times and try to get that angle but again it was more it just got into my head where i'm like please never let me get another 10 pin for the rest of my life yeah, yeah. So I know a lot of the schools in the GNHSBC, which you guys compete in, also practice at Lucky Jacks, but you guys are the outlier where you guys practice at Bel Air Lanes and Games. Um, does that help you guys having a quick drive to your lanes, uh, unlike, you know, probably like a school like Glen Lake or Cadillac who's got to drive up to Traverse City to just practice? Yeah, it, it's very beneficial for us. It's maybe a five-minute drive at max for some kids, and we can always come in whenever we want or whenever coach has lanes open. We can always just a quick buzz in and get practicing. Does he give you guys free games? 
Yes. Yes, absolutely. Because your coach is the owner of Bel Air Lanes and Games. <laughs> that always helps. So, but you guys do make quite a few trips to Traverse City to to bowl in competitions. I think you do some practices still at Lucky Jacks, right? And uh, so, I, so do the people at Culver's like know you guys by name? Because I hear you go there every day. They don't yeah. know us by name, but Not they by name. do know our usual orders. Yeah, and then. He's he's always there's one guy there that always asks us like how we did when we all come in as a team and then uh, when we actually won team for regionals we brought the trophy in with us. So what is the usual order at Culver's? What kind of concrete mixer are you guys getting? If you're getting ice cream, that is or frozen uh, custard. Vanilla, Snickers, Oreo. But if I'm feeling lucky, Butterfinger. Oh, very nice. So wait, it's Snickers with Oreo. Yeah. So that's a combination. Like I now I've not have heard it. It's one that I want to get, but it wouldn't be something I would have like sought out because you don't put a candy with a cookie, right? <laughs> yeah. I'm an in- guy, all right. <laughs> Brady, how about you? What's your order at, at Culver's? Just a straight up Reese concrete mix- mixer. Nice. All right. Chocolate yeah. or vanilla ice cream? Ah, uh, vanilla. Yeah. Okay. So you had you had uh, Coach Smith was messing around in the background there before holding the, the trophy behind you guys. Um, his, his son uh, and your guys' team manager Tucker does he give you guys a hard time about that he can bowl better than you? Uh, not uh, really. No. No. He gives, does he give some people on the team a tough time? Some kids he gives them. Yeah. He stays mostly humble though with his scores and stuff. He tries not to rub it in too much. Okay, so I've heard the opposite. Really? Yeah. I heard he rolled like a 203 or something like that recently and was like telling some of the people on the team how it's better than their scores. Yes. Um, <laughs> when he bowled that, he actually came up to me and told me right away. So I think he was pretty excited about that. Yeah. Yeah, he's what, seven? Yeah. yeah he's so. seven and he bowled a 203? He's crazy. He's really good. Wow. Okay. Yeah, because I remember I was I started bowling when I was six. I think it, I think I was years and years away from approaching two hundred. I was I was still throwing a backup ball at that time and uh, and, and trying to figure figure things out. What ride are you guys taking the states? Are you going individually or are you going as a team? Because I know sometimes uh, in bowling they they sometimes kids have driven themselves down. Um, yeah, I think we're all. Either riding with our parents or riding with coach, we don't get a uh, fancy bus. Yeah. So. Not quite like the parade that uh, the girls no. had in the Lady Lansing. Uh. Well, good luck to, to both of you. Good luck to the team. It was really nice to talk to you. I don't often get the chance to talk about bowling, uh, so it was nice to have both of you guys on. So uh, thank you so much. Good luck. And... Uh, uh, make sure you let us know how you guys do over the weekend. All right, thank Absolutely. you. We appreciate thank it. You. All right, thanks again to Brady and Matthew for joining us here on the Get Around Podcast. Uh, really appreciate it. Uh, good luck to them uh, coming up this weekend. Uh, it's been far too long since I've been on the lanes, and uh, now that things, I say this, and I should knock on wood again, but like things seem to be calming down again. In the, we had a crazy weekend last weekend, and in the realm of of COVID, so I feel like yeah. I might be able to start going to the the bowling alley again, uh, and it, it'll be fun to to get back on the lanes. So, but good luck to them uh, this weekend down at Battle Creek. Uh, let's move on right now to our Get Around Hall of Fame and our Athletes of the Week. We'll see maybe next week we are inducting some state champion bowlers uh, into the into the Hall of, Fa- uh, Hall of Fame next week. But uh, obviously we're going to be going with state champions this week as well. Uh, James and Andrew, uh, why don't you run down your list of nominees from the uh, ski finals on Monday. Yeah, I'm going to put up Caleb Lewandowski from uh, Traverse City West. He's a sophomore. Uh, followed up his brother state final in GS with a state title in slalom. 
cool thing. I, I talked about this in my M- in the story for uh, the MHSA second half is that uh, Nathan DeHart from uh, Rochester Adams seemed to be just excited for uh, Lewandowski as he was because he raced with his brother Aiden in uh, Team USA uh, USSA races, and he knows the family pretty well. And the both both of them kind of like congratulated each other because uh, Lewandowski was state runner up in GS and then uh, champion in slalom, and then DeHart was champion in GS and runner up in slalom. So that's a pretty cool story between them. All right, uh, I'm going to put up the two individual champions that we have in Division Two from from the area in uh, Gaylord Connor Abraham and the boys slalom. Uh, he ended up winning and winning that by not quite a second between the two runs over uh, Nolan Walkerdine of, uh, of Petoskey. And then on the girls side, you've got Marley Spence who won the, won the giant slalom title um, and helped Petoskey do a pretty good finish there as a, as a team as well. But uh, you know, she, edged out uh, Kaylee Byrne of Lowell, but won by 1.3 seconds, which is a decent margin in skiing. Yeah. So she uh, had an impressive day and also finished second in the regular slalom. Oh, uh, I had, I have some state champions as well. Uh, coming out of uh, indoor track and field, they had the Michigan Indoor Track Series state finals meet on Sunday. Uh, Traverse City Central's Julia Flynn, she won the 1,600 meters. Uh, and then in the uh, distance medley relay, the up north elite team of uh, Miley Kelly out at Benzie Central, Aiden Heron from Buckley, uh, and Kendall Choperay from Cadillac, as well as Benzie Central's Hunter Jones. Uh, and looking at the boys' relay team in the 3,200 meters, you had Jones and then Noah Mar- uh, Morrow from Manton, uh, I'm going to throw all of them up. Uh, they all won state champions at the uh, or state championships at the, the state finals. And then also in powerlifting, uh, Kingsley Jr., Nate Fossil, he won the state championship uh, at the Michigan High School Powerlifting Association Varsity State Meet Finals. Uh, that was also on Sunday. So a lot of state championship hardware being uh, given away over the weekend and on Monday. And I uh, wanted to make sure that we recognized all of those athletes as well so do we even need to vote or can we just say congratulations to all of our state champions yeah rule is is if you're a state champion you're in the hall of fame so hard hard to say no at any of those names okay well congratulations to all of those names uh you are the latest inductees into the get around hall of fame the most exclusive club in northern michigan all right boys we are coming up and coming down to it. Uh, we are now in the trifecta. And I wanted to give this opportunity to Andrew to tell a story about uh, getting kicked out of a game. Oh, boy. Here we go. <laughs> there was a t- So a couple weeks ago, you know, we had a text message like, oh, someone got kicked out of a basketball game. I'm not going to say what game it was. Um, but it was like a parent. And it just made me think of a time where, yeah, I did get kicked out of a freshman football game. And this, like, I started to tell the story over text, and everyone just, you were like, I'm literally laughing at my phone right now. Yes, it was fantastic. So I'm, I'm not going to, you know, give any more context than that and just get straight into the story. It was... uh like the first football game of my freshman year of high school. Forget who we were playing, but the team we actually beat. Or my high school was terrible at football. We won like one game in four years. <laughs> um, we were 0 9 my two years on varsity. And they didn't actually win a game until we changed conferences and we beat the team that might have been worse than us. But, <laughs> uh, yeah. We, we had. We were in a tough conference, though. But, yeah, anyways, we're I'm in the student section, like, nine or ten rows up, and I just had a Gatorade, and that's relevant because my friend told me, hey, or I can't, I can't remember if it was my friend or it was just my instincts, but something in my head, might have been someone told it to me, they said, chuck that water bottle in the trash can down below. And 
I'm like, yeah, that sounds like a good idea. And I did. And there's a water bottle flying through the sky in the middle of a football game, and uh, it missed. Banked off the water bottle and hit the high school dean. (laughs) (laughs) Who just happened to be in his first year on the job. And uh, he looks right at me and he goes, points a, points a finger at me and he says, come down here. I'm like Always the worst feeling. And I'm like, me? Like, yeah, you. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, great. And I walk down the stairs and he says, hey, we're, I need you to, we need to uh, get your name and get your uh, ID. And I'm like, what did I do wrong? He says, you chucked a water bottle on the, on the, uh, from the stands. You can't do that. And I'm like, oh. That sounded like a good idea at the time. <laughs> and there, he's escorting me out of the game, and I have to have my parents drive me home, and that was a fun conversation on the phone with my mom, that's for sure. And uh, Well, at least you didn't get kicked out for yelling and screaming at the refs, which James put together a hell of a story that ran on Sunday. If uh, our listeners out there haven't had a chance to read James's story on the uh, referee and official shortage that uh, high schools across Michigan uh, are, are facing. I highly recommend it. He did a great job on that one. Um, one of the reasons, obviously, that there's a shortage is because of fan behavior. Uh, and like Andrew. like Andrew, like me. Yeah, don't be like me. But to be fair, mine, my getting kicked out of a game was far worse because I actually yelled at a referee and swore at him, and this was during my. Uh, younger sister's seventh grade basketball game. So yes, I probably shouldn't have been this emotionally invested in it, but it's she's my little sister and I'm protective. And she was getting fouled uh, the entire game and uh, just wasn't getting a call. And after a, a certain foul, like she got hit so hard that she was on the ground and they didn't stop play and there was no foul called. And I am just on this referee. I mean, my my Irish is up real bad. And he, I finally say the magic words. Um, you can guess the combination of what those are. Uh, and he kicked me out. So I walk out, and about 30 seconds later, I see my older brother and older sister also come walking out because they got kicked out because I got kicked out. So they were upset at the ref for kicking me out. And it was, uh, it was a real you know, family bonding moment. It really was a proud moment for the Queelys, uh, as my two loving parents had to watch three of their children get kicked out of a seventh grade girls basketball game. James, in your time as a wrestling official, did you kick anyone out? I I was I was certified, but I never actually got to referee any matches because I was working at the time at the paper in Gaylord, and I just during the winter I never had time to actually do it. I, I did the testing. I had the like that that referee shirt that's hanging up there in the podcast room is mine. There's an MHSA jacket. Oh, the jacket. Okay, yeah, I see the jacket. Yeah. And uh, and everything. So maybe you know down the road, I gotta get back into that, and maybe then I can toss somebody. But uh, <laughs> when you retire as a sports writer, you'll go into officiating. Yeah, I probably won't be able to do wrestling by then, though, because I won't be able to get to get down on the mat. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, that that could be problematic now. But the thing, the the thing that uh, where my story doesn't end though is that over the next three and a half years of high school, I still ran into this dean, and every single time I'd see him in the hallway, and I was carrying like a disposable water bottle, you know, soft tossing in the trash can next to me, (laughs) and he would just burst out laughing. Nothing ever happened to me about this. Like, I, I think I just got kicked out of the game, and they, they gave me a hard slap on the wrist and said, don't do it again, and life went on. But, you know, like we say with fan behavior, calm down. Yeah. T- take a breath. Take it's a just, chill, Bill. Learn from us. Learn from us. It's just a game. It's just a game. For refs, they're doing this so you can play sports. Like, so we all can do this. I've even considered getting into officiating after uh, being a sports writer. Just explored the op- op- the option, and I'll have to see what life's like to, before I do that. But, yeah, I, after I read that article, I'm like, these kids need us. This is a – if it uh, we don't change this, like if we don't get young people into officiating, we might not have high school sports in a couple of years. 
I don't think that's that immediate, but f- 10 years down the road, we might be talking about a completely different issue, and that's the scary part. All right, boys, thank you very much. Uh, good episode. It was uh, wonderful getting the chance to sit down and talk to, to both of you. Uh, it was also great having uh, Brady and Matthew on from Bel Air. Uh, Andrew, this is it, buddy. Uh, thank you so much again for your time. Really appreciate it. Uh, you've certainly left your mark here, not only uh, on the podcast, the sports department, the Record Eagle, but, but here in, in northern Michigan as well. Um, I'll, I'll let you take us out. You can go ahead and finish up episode 208 of the Get Around Podcast. Signing off. Thanks. Thanks.